But from my spitballed point of view, manhood is about understanding the power we've been given as men and using that power to help the powerless feel powerful. What's up, fellas? Welcome to the Grown Man Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Kersey, and on today's show, we have Matt Massey. He is the executive pastor at North Star Community Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. He helped plant that church 17 years ago. We talk about where Matt's heart for ministry began, how he and his wife balance each other with Matt being what he calls the wow and his wife being the how, why it's imperative for men to find their identity in Christ first, then learn where their application for that identity and that skill set needs to take place in the kingdom, and how Matt's approach to both mentorship and evangelism has shifted over the years as God continues to mold his perspective on what ministry and being a man really looks like in today's world. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Matt is a ball of energy in so many ways, but he is a great man, a great leader, really just an interesting guy to learn from. He is a constant learner. In fact, one of the things he talks about is this concept of being able to flex your kind of leadership muscles as a requirement to grow and take in new knowledge. I think it's really fascinating. So I loved recording this. I hope you guys enjoy giving it a listen. Uh, before we dive into the show, reminder to go check out grownmanpodcast.com to learn a little bit more about what we're up to. And if you have any recommendations for the show, any feedback, any thoughts, any guests that we should be interviewing, feel free to shoot me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at grownmanproject.com. Let's dive into the show. Fellas, what's up? It's our first ever ad. I know, kind of cool, except it's for our own stuff. So we're still not making any money, but that's not the intention anyway. <laughs> the reality is the intention here is to build community. And that's what this quick interruption of the interview is all about. We are hosting an event in Cincinnati, Ohio on December 18th with Corey Carlson, who if you haven't listened to Corey's episode, he is episode five of the podcast. You should go back and give it a listen so you can get a sense for who Corey is and what he's all about. But this event is uh, really going to be all about doing business with 2019, dealing with successes, failures, learnings from this past year, and crafting a vision for your life for 2020 and beyond, and really crafting a vision out of what God has called you to and how he has uniquely Wired you. It's going to be an amazing event at Fuel Collective in Cincinnati. Just a beautiful space, a great time to just get out of your normal routine. And as the holidays approach, slow down for a minute and really deal with what is on the horizon for you and get a good sense for within community with other men, what God is calling you to in your life. So we'll have dinner there. We'll have drinks there and a good community. Guys, space is limited. We would encourage you to go get registered as soon as you can and learn a little bit more about the event at grownmanproject.com slash events. That's grownmanproject.com slash events. Hope to see you there. Hey. My earliest memory of you. You ready? Yeah. Then your days. I'm not you sure were, I'm going to believe this. Were you doing the, like young ministry, student I ministry? I came on at as some a teaching point? pastor, but they also had me as overseeing okay. high school and junior high. Okay. Yeah. So what I remember, is, it was one of my first times to like student ministry. We always went to like big church okay. with parents or whatever. 
I, me and Nick Jesus walk into student ministry, and I hear this man running around the like gym that they turned into the stage and yep. all that, yep. going, "Sex is great." Oh, no. <laughs> to a bunch of teenagers. Uh, <laughs> My earliest memory of Matt Massey. That's good. Well, it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a true memory. That's good. All right, good. So, so take us back. So, you, what do you do now, and kind of how did you get there? <clears throat> now I'm leading North Star Community Church. Um, been doing that since 2002, so was it 17 years? Uh, before that, I did a just a high school ministry. I was actually on, pardon me, I was on staff with the Vineyard for. I'm, I'm doing it backwards. I usually yeah, yeah, do it the other yeah. way around. Yeah. So I was on staff with the Springdale Vineyard, but before that, I went to seminary. I did a high school team ministry. Before that, I worked for Procter and Gamble for five years. And what was what was that moment leaving Procter? Like, what pulled you out of Procter into ministry? Oh, I'd like to tell you some really uber spiritual thing. Like, I'd like to tell you some bright light hit me, but it's not that supernatural spiritual. It's really, it's what I wanted to do. Mm. I was volunteering, doing student ministry. I started this group in the basement of a house. We had 150 kids. And that's what I thought. I'd be at work thinking about those 150 kids. I'd be at work thinking about how do I help those kids know Jesus more, and I, I was just loving it, and I didn't love Marketing Tide. There was nothing wrong with Marketing Tide, but, uh, and I kind of started growing on the adage, um, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then do whatever you like, hmm. you know, from, I think it was Augustine or one of those guys, and so I just kind of, I love God with my, all, all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what do I want to do? I want to, I want to do student ministry. I want to help these kids, and I was too young and dumb to know about bills. I didn't have a mortgage, so I thought, I can go from $50,000 to making 19000 a year. Yeah, I can why sleep not? On a, I can sleep on a futon. Why not? Yeah, I Were you married at the time? No, you? I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That <laughs> never would have happened. I don't know that would have happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my wife likes to say maybe would have happened, but I don't know if we, were, if, we yeah. were, if we were married at the time, I don't know how easy that decision would have made. So I'll have people say to me all the time, you had such great faith to leave P&G. No, it wasn't that I'd like thank you, but it's not. No, I, I was just a young guy who was having fun. So 150 you know, kids, like where were you meeting at that point? Basement of a house, a big a, no a person's house. We ended up about 300 kids a Holy week. Cow. Yeah, it was a massive, it, was, it wasn't Young Life, but it was like Young Life. Okay. So it was just a How fun. did that, like where did that come from even to begin with? Uh, I, I, moved to, I moved to Cincinnati, uh, right out of college, went to DePaul University and moved here with DePaul with a W, not the L. Yeah. My wife went there freshman year. Oh, college. no kidding. Yeah, okay. Played basketball. Yeah. High Greek, you know, yeah. big Greek campus. Yeah. We were 92% Greek. And I was fraternity boy that got saved. Awesome. You know, I was the wild guy that, you know, had everything and had nothing mm. and realized I wanted more. Gave my life to Christ. PG moved me, which getting in the job with PG is a miracle in itself, but PG moved me to uh, Cincy. And I went into this church and I was like, I didn't know anybody. And I said, hey, I. I'm a new Christ follower. I'd like to give my life to serving students. Mm. And he said, great. And he gave me four guys up in what The church was in Milford. He gave me four guys up in Lakota. And we would play football and read the Bible. That's all we do. Play, <laughs> play football, come in and read the Bible. And I, and I was so dumb. I mean, literally so dumb. I mean, this like I was. I was just dumb. I'd be like, uh, this is what the Bible says. You want to do it? Let's do it. We should do it. <laughs> God said, let's do this. Let's do it. Just kept it really simple, and they started inviting friends. And I was just kind of like, we'd play football, and next thing you know, some girls showed up to cheer the boys on. Yeah. You know, and then, and yeah. then more girls showed up, and next thing you know, we had the 
whole cheerleading squad and the football team and the soccer team. And we just had this big club coming in. We just sharing the gospel. So what, who was the pastor that helped you? A guy named Keith Kruger. Was Keith a mentor of yours, or how nope. did you link up with him? No, nope, I just went to the church and met him. And he was like, I'm the youth pastor. I'm looking for... You know, like he said, he said, I don't know you, but you look cool. Can you, you know, can you mentor? It's really a bad way to ask someone to mentor high school kids. I could have worked out. It, somehow, worked, it worked out okay, but it could have been bad. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he just threw, he threw me out there. It was like literally no experience. Yeah. I mean, I was president of my fraternity, but that's all, about all the experience I had with leading younger people is about it. So That's awesome. Kind of like, and I, and I had very little experience with the Bible. I'm just like, yeah. I'm having my quiet times like, well, this is what God said, so I guess we had to do it. And yeah, you know, but but you know how that goes, right? When you're when you're giving away what you're learning, you're hungry to learn more. Mm. If you're not mm. giving if you're not giving away what you're learning, then you become fat, mm. you become stale and dull. But if you want to become passionate, vibrant, you got to give away what you're learning. That's powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you force yourself to always be in a position where you're giving away what you're learning? Uh, I don't know if I do. I try to, but mm-hmm. I, that's a good. I, I think you just make decisions to step into uncomfortable situations and step into giving your life away to others. And it's like if if you if you have a posture of your life that says I want to give my life away to others, you will grow. Yeah, yeah. But if you have a posture that says I want to take and it's uh, I'm, I'm I don't know my science very well. Give me either. But but ready, well. ready. So let's just kind of go. <laughs> what I've heard, right? The human body spends 95% of its energy taking care of itself. Mm. But I think it's an amoeba, not an amoeba, but something like that. One of, the, like, one of these like atoms or something like that spend like 90% of its energy putting out energy. Mm. And they grow. Yeah. The body gets older, the atom grows. Yeah. And, and, and so I, it's kind of, and again, I'm not a science guy, I'm a sales guy, I'm a marketing guy. Uh-huh. But I remember hearing that analogy going, well, I'd like to keep growing. So if I, if I want to grow, I got to keep putting energy out. Yeah. That's been a mantra of mine. Yeah, it just makes sense. You know, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It kind of forces you off. to continue to push yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because, yeah, that's right. It's kind of like, like if you work out and you just work out by yourself all the time, you often, st- you plateau. Yeah. But when you work out with somebody else and train them, you end up growing. Yeah. You get stronger. Because you push man. yourself. So, so 17 years at North Star, specifically, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, uh, how has your perspective on what it means to be a man evolved from four guys in a basement to 17 years as lead pastor at North Star? Oh, my gosh. Loaded question, right? Yeah, it's a loaded question. I mean, that's, that's, that's an evolution question from how I was raised, evolution question mm. to then getting married, mm. evolution question to then having kids. I mean, the stage of manhood is like, the stage of man, I, I think the stage of man is, is understanding, this, I, this is just spitball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. didn't give me any, pre-question so yeah, I could think what I was going to no, say. No. But from my spitballed point of view, manhood is about understanding the power we've been given mm. as men and using that power to help the powerless feel powerful. Mm. Wow. That's just spitballing. I mean, that's just I love like, that. So, like, 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 so understand who I and, and and along the journey, have to understand I need people to help me grow, to understand who I am and then give it away and then I have, I have to lay down my life for others. I mean, just so you know, you've been married two years now. Mm-hmm. The well, moment you I'm get, learning. I don't yeah, know if I know anything. But but, but no, I'm, but you know, I'm you learning. know enough after two years yeah. of marriage, you're like, wow, I was really selfish. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm sure you thought you were pretty selfless before you got married. Yeah. I sure did. Yeah. I was serving high school kids, and I remember on my wedding uh, day, my dad looked at me and he said, 
uh, and I've been serving students for several years now. I left P&G, and I, I am this rock-solid, passionate Christfell, right? I'm, I'm the man, mm-hmm. in quotes. You know, and by yeah. the way, people who don't know me, don't, most of what I say is facetious. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't really the man, but I thought I was the man. I thought I was all that. And he said, welcome to Selflessness 101. Welcome to really becoming a man. I'm like, yeah, but I've been a man. He goes, yeah, you're, you just stepped, stepped into Selflessness 101. That's what he told you about marriage? About when I stepped into marriage. Wow. And three years later, when I had my first kid, I called him and said, well, I just had my first kid, little baby daughter. And he said, well, welcome to Selflessness 201 through 1 million and one. <laughs> right? And like, totally different ballgame. Totally different ballgame. Like, like yeah. both are stages in selflessness, stages of laying down your life for others becoming not that if you don't have a wife and kids you're not a man yeah I'm not saying that right but having hair on your chest and having hair on your balls and make you a man yeah, yeah. right how much you bench can I say that I guess yeah, I can say yeah. that yeah I, but but uh, how much you can bench you say to, balls can I say balls I have a feeling we're exactly. gonna say a lot worse at some exactly. point on this podcast <laughs> uh but but you know right like like how much you bench does not make you a man and how much you eat does not make you a man and how much money you make does not make you a man but also making you a man isn't about being nice yeah about yeah. being powerful and understanding the power you have and giving that a power away to others and helping the powerless feel powerful. Yeah. So single guys, pre-marriage, they don't fully understand what maybe that, that level yeah. of selflessness could look like yeah. in their lives. What do you think they need to be doing or thinking about to kind of start to flex that muscle and understand oh, what that's going to look like? That's a great... Like if I was, if I was to go back yeah. to single mat today, and I, I was doing great stuff. I was loving people. I was... A passionate follower of Christ, helping people. Uh, but I would go back to young Matt and say, you decide to exercise that selfless muscle, that muscle of generosity even more now, mm-hmm. where you make it less about you and how impressive you are, make it less about proving yourself to everybody else, and live your life towards helping others understand who they are. You know, again, you and I talked, I think we talked about the freedom of self-forgiveness. Yes, yep, yep. That's a book that if I could have read you know, by Tim Keller, yeah. freedom of self-forgiveness. So getting to that place where I neither think too high of myself nor think too low of myself, but I'm getting to the place where I, I'm really not thinking about myself at all. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it said as uh, the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, if I'm really, if I actually, if I'm really humble, if I'm really humble, you'd say to me, Matt, you did that pretty well. I'd say, I know I did that well. Yeah. Really, a humble person. Yeah. I know I did that well. God gave me the ability to do that. Yeah. Wasn't that fun? Confident and self aware. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. But but I, yeah. I I'm not all that. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not the end of the world. I'm, yeah. I'm not God's gift of creation. Yeah. You know, I, I think a really humble person realizes I'm not all that, but also realizes I really matter. God made me to matter. He, he put me in this earth to make a difference. Yeah. That feels like a really important thing to grasp before you get married. Oh my gosh. Right? Because it shows up so often in marriage, like day one. Yeah, it doesn't show up as much when you're dating, does it? No. The moment you get married, something clicks, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like, cause, cause when you're dating, you're like dancing yeah. around each other. You're like going, "Hey, I'm gonna still do whatever it does to, takes to make you happy." Yes. And you, know, you and you can go home and shut. Oh, absolutely! Right? <laughs> I'm gonna go home tonight, and I'm not gonna see her, and I can still sleep in my bed, and, yep. and I still have time with the boys whenever I want to, and you yep. know. Yeah. Right. When you're dating, you get in the car and he's like, which restaurant do you, do you want to go to? And you don't care because you just want to make her happy. And I'll yeah. go to 18 restaurants. I don't yeah. care. Because tomorrow you, we won't be, to go, ex- be together and I'll go get wings and do whatever the hell I want. want. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. when I'm married, I'm like, for the love of God, would you make a f- <laughs> decision? <So, laughs> you like, 
Why? Sorry. It's yeah. like, I love you, honey. I'm like, my wife, <laughs> she knows we've talked about this. Exactly. So uh, you have a very distinct personality. Right? Oh, yeah. Gosh. I, have you taken the Enneagram? Oh, yeah. I know that's like yeah. all the rage right yeah, now. Yeah, I haven't yeah. taken it. Yeah. But what, what you don't know what you are? I think I know what I am. I haven't taken the quiz, but I think I know what I am. All right. I am, I've taken it twice. The first time I was a eight slash seven, challenger slash enthusiast. Second time I was a seven slash eight. Yeah, that makes sense. So seven wing. So I, I flip flop between being a real, it depends on the environment I'm in. Okay. I kind of think I'm a more of a challenger. And what do you think your wife is? Oh, I know, not think, I know. Yeah. She's a one. A one. She's a okay. one slash two. That's a reformer. That's, that's the, uh, the negative aspect of that is perfectionistic. But reformer is kind of the idea that, sees things as right and wrong, wants mm. to make a change, wants to do things well. Mm. You know, it can come off as perfectionism. So and what? Then help. She's a massive servant. A massive but she's servant. a strong, I mean, uh. don't, don't take it wrong. Like, like that, those aren't weak person. I mean, they're really strong. I'm married to an incredibly strong-willed, firstborn woman. Yeah. You know, who regularly has my balls in a vice. <laughs> <laughs> Which you and, might and need I'm, a little And I'm okay bit. with it. I'm okay with it. Like, I like her hands. So, <laughs> So, so how, do, how does that, how do those two things complement each other well? How have y'all learned to kind of work together in that? In oh, gosh. It's probably easier. I mean, 24 years of marriage. It's probably easier sometimes to talk about how we don't complement each other. Sure. Uh, but how we complement each other, when we're working on all cylinders, I am go and she is well. Hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm go, she's well, or we like to say I'm wow and she's how. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Right? Yeah. So I come, you know, someone comes with an idea. I'm like, wow, yes. And she's like, how? No. Let's think about that. And not that she, when we, when we were early married, I called her my dream killer. And that's not fair. Mm. She wasn't killing dreams. She was just saying, okay, hang on. Hit the, hit the brakes, cowboy. Let's just, yeah. let's just, how are we going to do that? I'm not saying no, but just how? Like, give me some, put some, put some meat on the bones. Put, yeah. put some structure to the thought. And it's gotten, it's kept me out of a lot of, uh, half-cocked decisions. The, yeah. the other thing we've always said about, I'm, I'm fire-ready aim. Mm. And mm-hmm. she's ready, aim, 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 fire. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we balance, balance each other. Yeah. yeah, so, and I'm learning how to listen to her how, and she's learning how to validate my wow. Yeah. She's learning how to say, I, t- that I really appreciate that wow. So anyone listening, by the way, if you're married or dating and you're the how person, I just want to tell you right now, with wow people look and go, wow, I really appreciate your wow. I really appreciate that. Tell me more. Yeah. Don't how them yet. Yeah. Because half the deal is they just want to be heard. Mm. But anyway, but we've, we've come to really, so her reformer is like looking at the, how's this going to work? Yeah, that's powerful. But here's the deal. Her helper, and when she's bought in, mm. when she's bought in and she makes me make mm. things happen, like, like she's the one that helped me get the church going. Mm. She was the guts to get the, she, when I came to her, said I'd like to plant a church. After she threw up, then she she said, "How you know?" And I I had to look at. Her. I said, "Okay, I need you to go wow with me right now. I need you to say wow. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm not going to do this without you agreeing to it." And it was great. She had this moment. She took a deep breath. She looked at me and said, "I believe in you more than anyone else in the world. I believe wow. I believe in you. I'm scared, but all right, let's just sit on it for a little bit. Can we just pray for it?" I'm like, "Yeah." And she's one helped me put framing to the idea. That's powerful. Yeah. So we make a great team when we're honing. Now, yeah. we bump sure. because sure. she 
house me and I kind of get my hurt feelings hurt. Sure. There's an art to how those conversations have to go, right? And I wow, I give wow and she gets afraid. You yeah. Know. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the kids, oh my gosh, I've heard a thousand times. Why are you always the good guy? The kids walking in. We want to do like, wow, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Honey, we can't afford grease. Sure we can. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Oh, that's perfect. So anyway. I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about in our pre-interview, if you remember, uh, was this this concept of like a lot of young men struggle with deciding where they should head, what should their vision for their lives be. And you talked about this idea of like think, thinking a little less spiritually and just yeah. going after it, like back to that Augustine quote, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what, what would you tell the young man who's kind of wrestling with, is it is it ministry, is it not ministry, is it this professional career, is it another degree, what, where to go. Yeah, you and I tell me, and, you, and, and, and here's a, like, like, I don't, some people may disagree with me on this, but I, I, I this is where I net out. Yeah. I think one of the most freeing things for me while I was at Procter & Gamble, and I was marketing packaged soap and detergent, and I'd be, you know, looking at schematics, I'd look at share rating of, you know, and I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I want to go into full-time ministry. That's what I kept saying. I want to go into full-time Ministry and the Lord hit me square between the eyes, combined with a businessman mentor mm. who said, It's fine if you leave here, but you need to know right now you're in full time ministry. Mm. You're in full time ministry right now. You have men and women you work with that you're rubbing shoulders with every day. And while package soap and detergent doesn't matter, the people you're working with, they matter. Yeah. And, and right. And it was like this basic, but it's like, so I had to get out of the mindset that there was profe- that there was full-time ministry, not full-time ministry. Mm. It's all full-time ministry. Mm. Then I could get to, now, what do I want to do? How do I want to live out the kingdom? What's best suited for what I want to do? Mm-hmm. And so I had two very good friends at the exact same time that decided to stay at P&G and bring the kingdom through P&G. Yeah. And they did it for years. Yeah. One was the, you know, the ABM or the brand manager for Crest, and the other was, you know, wow. whatever. Those guys went on to help start Crossroads. Oh, wow. Jim Beck told and Brian Wells. That's awesome. And they were both, but they decided to make a difference to the kingdom and they used their influence at P&G to then start Procter & Gamble. And they were just as impactful for the kingdom yeah. as me leaving. And none was more. As a matter of fact, they helped, they both helped me financially. They sowed seeds to help me, you know, and they were no less impactful for the kingdom than mm-hmm. I was. So one was not full-time ministry. So so that's the first thing I'd say that as a young yeah. man, like, like, look, you decide that where you are is building the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then, and don't, and, and get away from the guilt and shame mm-hmm. of our friends with Camps Crusade for Christ or mm-hmm. other organizations that say, if you don't do full-time ministry, you're not doing it. That's just a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be on staff with back-to-back or crusade or navigators or a church to be on full-time staff. Mm-hmm. All those are great, and I endorse in them all. I mean, you and I are both fully invested in back-to-back. Mm-hmm. But that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to have men and women that bring the kingdom through the business world. Yeah, I, I, I think, matter of fact, I do more talking men and women out of professional ministry mm. than I do anymore telling them to go into it. I talk them out of it. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, bring your gifts and your skills to bear in the marketplace. Mm. Uh, because you're reaching people that I will never be able to reach. Mm. Like you are, you're, you're going you're to start businesses. You're, you're going to generate uh, economic engines mm-hmm. that are going to be the fuel for saving lives in the kingdom and saving lives practical, just really practically speaking. So mm-hmm. I would say figure out ways to take your business and be a, 
economic generator or a, a lifeline for people in the kingdom. Yeah. Both yeah, like, literally boots on the ground, the poor and the marginalized, and literally, and those people that you can help support, and you do it that as well. So yeah, it's in the like culture a, you create. Yeah. You it's know, a, it's almost like a nuanced way to think about it. like John Piper talks about it as goer versus sender, right? That was oh, yeah. that was really impactful for me when yeah. I you know, I was summer intern back to back for right. eight years. That's right. And felt in my heart, I felt the spirit kind of tugging me away from that and saying, I've given you this experience as a goer so that now you can be a really be empowered a sender. sender. Yeah. Uh, but I love your take, your take on like sender, though, doesn't mean that you're not in ministry. Exactly. And I think that it sells it short. The yeah. sender's still a goer. Yeah. Sender makes it feel like, okay, so you're you're not in vocational I ministry. just give money. Yeah, yeah. yeah you that's just right. give money. You, just, right. you go make money so you can give it away. Yeah, yes. Versus that's not saying, the case. Yeah, that's part of it. You're a goer, too. Yeah. Matter of fact... Matter of fact, we should all be goers and should all be senders. Yeah. Wherever yeah, we are. Powerful. Right? It's powerful. The other thing I think that like I, I, I like to spend lots of time with young men especially is helping them realize the fullness of their identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And fullness of like that they are powerful in Christ. Who they, and, and you we're all on a journey, again, whether you want to go wild, wild or heart or Whoever, the, 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 the thinkers out there that have said there's one major question all of us men are asking, mm-hmm. right? What's the major question? Remember the main question we're asking? I do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Every, every man is asking, do I have what it takes? Every female is asking a similar question, slightly different. And again, I don't want to get like male, female. That we're equal in every way. But men kind of asking the question, do I have what it takes? Women are asking the question, am I lovable? Mm-hmm. Do you delight in me? Mm-hmm. Similar, mm-hmm. but a little different way. I got three daughters. And and they they're they're wanting to know am I lovable? Do you delight in me? Again, they're very powerful. Yeah, yeah. But but they're asking it differently than a young man's going to ask, right? Like young men are when they're little boys. My dad can beat your dad up, or or I'm faster than you. When they totally. get to high school, totally. They're like, uh, how much can you bench? How yeah. much How much you bench? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's with the the question the, the statement's rooted in am I man enough? My two little nephews. Every time I'm around them, it's like they want to wrestle. Hurt Uncle Kurt. Can I hurt Uncle Kurt? <laughs> and I want to fight you, wrestle you, prove. And and Uncle Kurt is the man because he's so yeah. big, right? Yeah, like, that's right. And, and and not to be crass, but you can go to any high school in America and pull all the seniors together and pull all the juniors together and pull all the sophomores together and say, hey, who's got the biggest penis in your class? And they all know. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not talking and we're not talking that they're they that they're opposite sex attraction or same sex attraction. They just know. Why do they know? Because yeah. somewhere we've heard that that makes a man. Hmm. So we're walking around a life one, and then when we get older, what do we do? Then how big's your portfolio? How yeah. big's your house? Yeah. How how whatever it is, how 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 successful are your kids. So we're we're going through life wondering that question. We're shopping our question around to work. We shop our question to Eve. Mm-hmm. Adam shopped his question mm-hmm. to Eve, woman. Mm-hmm. How does woman think of me? And the best thing we can do as a young man, especially old men need to too. We mm-hmm. old men don't know this, but the younger we can learn this, like God's the one that answers my question. Mm-hmm. God says who I am. He's the one who makes me who I am. He says. You have what it takes. The gospel says, the very nature of the gospel, when Jesus lived, died, and rose again, he said, I say you have what it takes because mm-hmm. you're my kid. Even though you don't act like you have what it takes, I say you have what it takes. And yeah. your identity is secure in me now. Instead of trying to earn an identity, live out of the identity I've given you. Yeah. Stop striving to become someone and to live out of who I've already made you to be. Yeah. That's a radically different Powerful. shift, a radi- yeah. radically different way to yeah. look at it. So the sooner men can begin to walk in that, then they'll be a better husband. If I can come into my marriage knowing who I am in Christ, yeah. fully, like God's the one that answers my question, then I won't look to my wife to answer all my questions. Because guess what? As great as she is, she's going to answer the question wrong regularly. Yeah. yeah. Right? Your two yeah. years of marriage has told you that, like, 
why can't you just tell me I'm all that all the time? Yeah. And she adores <laughs> you, right? right? Your wife adores yeah. you. But regularly, you get bumped, and vice versa. Yeah. You regularly bump her because you don't always answer her question for her that I delight, delight in you. You adore her. That's you right. delight in her. That's but right. she doesn't always believe that. Yeah. Because of these things in our past stories, yeah. in our history, we've heard lies about who we are. And, and so and that's why, again, we go to the workplace to try to get that question answered. Or some guys leave full-time workplace ministry to go into full-time spiritual ministry, professional ministry, because they think that's where the question can be answered. Because they want to try to answer that question. And yeah. you're always going to be sorely, hmm. sorely dissatisfied yeah. by those places because they'll never fully answer the question yeah. for you. So once I, so as a young man, once I feel like I have answered that, who am I in God? I've found that identity. I know I'm enough because he's enough, yes. ultimately. What's the next question? What's that new question that men should be asking? Then, the, the, then, then how do I live that out? Then what, what, then what, is, what is my wiring? What is my, how am I uniquely skill-setted and uniquely wired to live that out? Yeah. Right? I believe there's, on all of us, all men, women, and children, but we'll talk men right now because we're talking to men. Mm-hmm. All of us of men have a universal calling by God. So once we know our identity in Christ, we all have a universal calling. A specific calling. Universal, universal calling. calling. Okay. Same yeah. universal calling. I believe Scripture teaches our universal calling. You can word it by saying know God and love others. You can say love God, love others. You can say be known by God, be loved by God, and love others. However you want to know God, show God. I, yeah. However you yeah, want to yeah, verbiage yeah. it. Yeah. It's the, the great commission to know you're the beloved of God and show the love of God. Right? That's a yeah. universal calling. We yeah. don't need to debate over that. Yeah. Yeah. But then we're uniquely wired. Mm. We have a unique calling in how, uh, how Kurt is uniquely wired, how Matt is uniquely wired to mm. live that universal calling out. And, uh, you know, like, like when they talk about we're creating the image of God, yeah. the Hebrew word there for image, again, we... we, we we go to Latin. It means imago Dei. I'm in the image of God. But in the Hebrew, the, the Hebrew word is literally in the handprint of God. Oh, wow. Right? You're in the handprint of God. And when you think about handprint or fingerprints, there's no two fingerprints alike. Mm. Right? So, so we're in the handprint of God. And even though we're all in the same handprint, mm. you can almost imagine God changes his fingerprints for every human being. Mm. And everyone's a unique image of God. So we've got the same looking hand, yeah. but a unique print upon our lives and our story. We're uniquely wired to live out the kingdom in different ways. So whereas you, uh, you know, let's say we, we talked Enneagram for a minute ago, you might be a three. Yeah, you nailed it. You know, okay. It's almost like so you achiever. Yeah, I was going to guess <laughs> achiever, right? And, yeah. and, and, and you're wired to go make things happen and go achieve. I'm not wired like that as much. Mm-hmm. And you're uniquely wired to bring the kingdom in ways that you should bring the kingdom. Mm. The last thing on earth you should do is be an accountant, mm. right? Nothing, accountant is beautiful, yeah. but you would kill yourself and totally. you'd kill others. Yeah, very quickly. If you're an accountant, yeah, and you need, you need to figure out your, your unique wiring, your unique calling, and I believe, and the unique calling I don't think is actually an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer. My unique calling was not starting Northstar. Mm. My unique calling along the way, I started asking God, God, what makes me unique? Who am I? To you and the Lord, I'm going to say this phrase. Some people might understand, but the Lord said to me, told me. I've never heard an audible voice, mm. but in prayer and time away, it's like the Spirit spoke to me. He said, "You are a, um, you're a kingmaker. Hmm. You're a dream, a dream awakener." Yeah. I love what I absolutely love is meeting with a young man and saying to a young man, 
what are your dreams and how do, how do we help those dreams become a reality? That's powerful. Did you have someone in your life that asked you that question? I did. Yeah. Yeah, which I think, I think the story is, the story is to, to, to grow is integral to have a man go along with you. Yeah. Have men that are helping you walk and the men you're helping walk. Yeah. It's got to be both. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. the, the Paul Barnabas Timothy yeah. thing, right? Yeah. We, and if we really want to grow, we always have to have people we're helping grow. I think you're, if, if you can only pick one, pick people to help you, you help grow because then yeah. you'll grow. Yeah. If you can have all three, yeah. do it. But if you only have time for one, pick someone you can help grow. Yeah. What are you at this phase in your walk? What, what do you feel like God's most teaching you or exposing to you right now? Oh. Well, it's always identity. By the way, the question about it, it's, it's, I think the lifelong understanding, you, you said once we figure out that identity thing, I don't think you ever figured it out. Ah, I think it's a lifelong, I, I can know the truth, Yeah. Uh, but it's a lifelong journey of figuring out my day. Because whatever age I hit, I have to relearn it. Yeah, it seems like we're almost kind of always reinventing yes. ourselves as men. Like I'm in the early phases of that, yes. right? Not just... You're 30 years old, 31, 30, right? 30. 30 yeah. years old. Yeah. And you know, when, when you're in your early 20s, mid to, you're like, like, all right, am I going to get married? If I get married, where am I going to work? Yeah. Then you get 30, how many kids are we going to have? Yeah. Right? Then you get 40, we're done having kids, right? Am I fixed? Are you going to get fixed? And yeah. How much money are we going to make? And when you hit 50, like, can I afford college? Can I pay for college? And when you're 60, it's like, what am I going to do now the rest of my life? You know, it's like, and all, each stage, you have to re- re-figure out where do I find my identity. Re-remind mm. yourself. Be mindful. My identity is in Christ. When you're 25 years old, you're strong and you're powerful. You don't need glasses and, you know, you, you can lose weight easily. You can, you know, keep weight off easily, yeah. whatever. You, you you know, when you're 53, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a fat ass. Like, yeah. You're like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, like keeping weight off is hard. I've got reading glasses <laughs> now. And, you know, I don't, I don't turn heads anymore. Like, like, mm. you know, I used to walk into a bar before I met my wife and, you know, at least women would acknowledge me. Yeah. And now like, oh, there's an attractive older man. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> but, like, and you, you your you, wife might say revisionist history a little bit. There, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. right? And, and, and you got to say, I don't find my identity in those things. That's not where my identity is found. My identity is found in who Christ says that I am. Mm. My identity is found in being a son of, of the living God, being a child mm. of God. I, I, so that's so. Yeah, constantly learning that. But but you ask the question, what am I learning right now? I'm continuing to learn right now that uh, keeping it simple. Mm. There's just a few messages. Like like when I was younger, I complicated things, and we had too mm. many messages. Mm. And the older I get, I am like simplifying it down. Mm. It's like, uh, I think there's two primary orthodoxies mm. that God wants us to know, really two, mm. and two primary orthopraxies. Mm. So orthodoxy is the belief, the teaching, and orthopraxy is the practice of those beliefs. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the two orthodoxies that I believe, the book of Acts, for example, the early church lived and thrived on was the resurrection of Jesus mm. and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Some... 50 times it talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus mm-hmm. rose, Jesus rose, Jesus rose. Live in the resurrection. Jesus rose, I've raised you. Jesus mm-hmm. rose, I've raised you. Mm-hmm. And then the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Live empowered by the Holy Spirit. I make you who you are. I put mm-hmm. my spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Mm-hmm. Christ in you by the Spirit is the hope of glory, right? All these beautiful truths said all throughout the Gospels, said all through the epistles, but in the book of Acts is driven, orthodoxies. And then the orthopraxies are live generous lives. Be a generous person. If you really want to live out the resurrection, be a generous person. Mm. Live generously. The greatest apologetic of our day, I think, 
is the resurrection of Jesus marked by the generosity of Jesus. Mm. And if we're not generous people, if we're not living radically generous lives, then we don't get the gospel. Mm. If we get the gospel, we'll live a radical generous, generous life. We'll, mm. we'll realize what he did for us and we'll, it'll respond and every aspect of our life will be marked by generosity, whether time, our words, our money, mm. our skills, everything. Mm. So I'm trying to simplify it. My journey yeah. right now is trying to simplify it as much as possible. That's powerful, brother. I know. Thanks for sharing all that with us, man. Yeah. Is that time? Appreciate you. That's time. You want to keep going? God, that went fast. Yeah. Well, I talked too much. You shared a lot of wisdom, man. That's, I don't know if it's wisdom. <laughs> I just talked a lot. That's so, perfect. That's the point of the podcast. Yeah. Here, here's the crazy thing is we wrap this thing up. I, I, I'm, I'm so honored that you asked me to do this. I, I'm, I can't believe you asked me to do it, mm. but I'm honored that, that I'm asked to do it. And I kind of feel like, as I said out there previously, I feel like, uh, a junior hire in a 53-year-old body. I kind of feel like sometimes I feel like I'm waiting to grow up. But I just, I, I love, I love, my, my first loves are Jesus, my wife and my girls, and I love men. Mm. I just love men. I, help, I love helping men become who they're meant to be. Mm. And uh, so I thrive on, I wish more men my age would grab younger men and say, let's go, let's go. We grow. need it, man. I, I think it, I think it goes both ways, right? It's, yeah. it's uh, older men that would step up and say, hey, I want to invest yeah. in someone. Yeah. And then younger men that would step up and say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Right. I need some help here. Uh, but I love that question that you asked earlier about Kingmaker. Will you ask that, will you say that one more time? Like, yeah, I feel like God, God has called me to be a, a Kingmaker or a Dream Awakener. A Dream Awakener. Like I want to live to be, and if, by the way, if we all live that way, to go around making other people feel like kings, other people awaken their dreams, that's going to awaken our dreams. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I go back to you mentored me a bit in high school, and I like that was what I always took away from our time together, and that oh, was one of the thanks. reasons that I admire you so much and wanted to have you on the show. Oh, that's was cool. every every time we got together, it was twofold. It was accountability. I'm going to get in your face about are you staying pure sexually? Are you keeping out of trouble? Mm. Are you getting in the word? Are you spending time in prayer? Uh, but then it was also like, what are you going out and doing? Like, what is your unique wiring? Yeah. What are you? What does waking you up? What what yeah. makes you feel alive? And are you chasing after that? And I just I, I just feel like more men, especially young men, but any man really needs to carve out those times where they're getting together yeah. with somebody one on one that can say, are you living the way that you know you should be living? Yeah. And are you actually acting out of love? Yeah. Are, yeah. are you acting in yeah. incongruence with what you know and believe yeah. is true? That's good. By the way, I, I think uh, I think I'm trying to amend that even like spend more of the energy around because I think I could be a little hard on guys at times mm. when I was younger. Mm. I think the older I get, not that I'm going soft, but I'm going more like as opposed to beating somebody up. Yeah. You know about what you didn't do or what you didn't do well, or more just calling out who you are. Like this is who you are. That's great perspective. You know, I, I just I just called a guy yesterday, and he's 22 years old. He is. He's making just dumb decisions, right? He just mm. his life is sideways, and everything within him was. But I just I just call him and said, "Remember who you are. Mm. Remember who you are." Because if they can figure out that, yes. then everything else falls yes. in place, right? I, mean, I remember, okay, I'm just, I remember sitting with a group <laughs> of guys when I'm in my twenties before I was married, and the group started. It was called an accountability group, but they called it an anti whack group. Okay, we're gonna meet together. We so had we one of those right, in right. I know. Like, you, was you, that you, our group? No, no. This was guys my age. This guy's my age. And the whole point was like. You sit around the room. So, Kurt, did you jack off this week? Yeah, I did twice. Okay, Kurt, don't do that. Bob, what about you? Oh, six times this week. Well, Bob, stop that. What about you, Junior? That's forty-two times. It's raw. <laughs> like what the? And and you leave the group. You leave the group. What are you thinking about? Yeah. 
you know, you think about, like we need to go, all we're thinking about is what not to do. Now yeah. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. As opposed to spending the time going, you are beloved. You are believed in. Jesus yeah. loves you. He believes. He's calling you to more. This is who you are in Christ. Yeah. Go be who you are. Kind of like that Braveheart moment, right? When William yeah. Wallace looks at the the guy, I can't remember the guy's name. He goes, "If you just lead, we'll follow. Be that king yeah. that we know you are." Yeah. Because then it's like, you know? of course, I'm not going to spend time watching oh. porn or beating off or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Uh, there's more important stuff. Exactly, that I'm to. and and yeah. when and if I blow it that way, just get back up. Get yeah. that's not who I am. Get right. That's back powerful up. too, because I see a lot of guys, especially like late twenties, early thirties, that know the truth, that are trying to live out yeah. the truth, that beat themselves up yes. way too much, and they're wallowing in what they did wrong. Yeah, rather they, getting up. Yeah, that's what I, I did for several years, and, and then they like can't get back up because right. they so just feel inadequate right. Right. because they lost sight of that first right. question that you ask. Right, who am right. I in God? Right. I've already overcome. I've already, uh, there's nothing to achieve. He's already had victory. Yeah. You know, another great conversation with somebody, with some, me or somebody else, another, is the issue of shame. Mm. It's how men overcome shame. I think shame is the great killer mm. of men. Wallowing, and, and, and shame results in us either isolating or overcompensating. Yeah. And we either isolate and pull away and, and live in that shame, or we overcome, become performaholic, workaholics to try to prove. Yeah. Powerful. What we're not or who we are. So, yeah. Thanks for the time. Powerful. Thank Peace you, brother. You, this is great. Bye, brother. Appreciate you. Hey. Fellas, thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. It's such an honor to sit down with men like Massey and just dig into their philosophies, their stories, what they've learned over the years, and what they're learning today. I so appreciated Matt's vulnerability around how God is continuing to just shape his perspective and just mold him as a leader in so many powerful ways. Would love your feedback on the show. Shoot me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at grownmanproject.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review, help us get the word out there on this podcast. But we are learning as we go on this show. And what we want to learn most is what you guys want, what you guys need, what, what resources, what tools, what guidance, what guests you feel like would be the most helpful from the show. Our mission is really to serve men on their journeys as they figure out what being a man really looks like from a biblical lens in their work, faith, and life. So please give us some feedback around how we can be a better resource. That is the ultimate goal of this show. Thanks for listening and can't wait to meet up with you guys here again next week. God, thanks for a uh, relationship with Matt. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, learn from him, to, to be mentored from him here for the next 30 minutes or so. I, I thank you for all that you've done in and through him for your kingdom, and I thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, learn more about your character through the conversation today. I pray that it be glorifying to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.